Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much that you're a God that gives us every single reason to trust you. God, when our life feels like it's falling apart, when we're discouraged, when we're overwhelmed, God, we trust you because you always have and you always will prove yourself to be trustworthy. And so God, for, for those that are hurting today, that for those that feel distant from you today, for those that are just overwhelmed with sin, shame, guilt, God, once again today, we trust you to do the things in our lives we can't do ourselves. We trust you knowing that your will is good, it's pleasing and it's perfect. So have your way in our lives today, God. Open our hearts, speak to us now, we love you. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, before you grab a seat, find five people, look them in the eyes and say, you're awesome, all right? too much fun. You're going to go to lunch afterwards and people are going to be like, how is church? And you're going to be like, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I had five people tell me I was awesome. <laughs> it was pretty good. All right. Hey, so glad that you're here with us today. I want to give a shout out to those of you joining us online. Also those up in the loft. Great to have you guys with us today. Uh, my name is Jeremy, one of the pastors here. And if we have not yet uh, had the opportunity to meet, I'd love to meet you after the service. I'll be hanging out in the ministry mall. Love to meet you. If you came with your family, would love to meet your whole tribe. So come hang out with us. Right now you're going to need a Bible. Ephesians chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, we have you covered. Raise your hand. If you don't own a Bible, it's our gift to you. We are a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. Every week we will open the Word of God and ask for God to speak to us because we believe that God loves us and has a perfect plan for our lives. And that plan ultimately is found in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Uh, before we dive into Ephesians chapter 3, I do want to highlight the cards that you probably saw in your seats when you came in here uh, today. It's for our Trunk or Treat event happening next weekend. It's happening after all four of our services. So Saturday night at 6, Sunday morning, 8.30, 10, 11.30. It doesn't matter what service you come to. After all of our services, we're going to have a bunch of cars lined up and we're going to have an opportunity for kids to get a sugar high, go home, and be crazy, all right? So this is an event for you to bring your one. And I say that uh, our one is a part of our mission statement that says that every one will know him. And that comes right out of Luke chapter 15 where it says that Jesus would leave the 99 and go after the one. The one that doesn't know God. The one that's not walking with God. The one that's distant from God. And so my prayer is that you would have a one in your life. Somebody in your life that doesn't yet know Jesus that you're ministering to. And next weekend would be a great opportunity for you to bring your one to church. It's going to be a great experience. And they won't just be a part of a, a trunk or treat. They're going to get to experience one of our services. They're going to get to experience worship, hear a message. Uh, it's going to be a powerful weekend. And so super excited uh, for that. And uh, can't wait to see what God does. So bring somebody next weekend, kidnap them in the name of Jesus, all right? Uh, today we are in Ephesians chapter 3. Super excited about this message. Let me set up uh, the book of Ephesians. It's from a, an author for, by a guy named Paul. Paul uh, was the greatest missionary. He wrote like half of the books in the New Testament. Uh, heart for, for God, heart for Jesus. 
he always wasn't that way. He used to be very into religion and about himself. God got a hold of his life. He's in prison. He's writing this letter to this church in Ephesus. And in Ephesus, there was some major division in the church. There were Jews and Gentiles. And so the first three chapters, Paul's talking about the wealth of being a follower of Jesus Christ. And he's basically saying, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter if you were raised with the promises of God or not. We are all one in Jesus Christ. And I just want to echo that same uh, sentiment today that it doesn't matter uh, what we look like on the outside. It doesn't matter our background. Some of us were raised in Christian homes. Some of us weren't. But Jesus Christ makes us one. Amen. And so today what we're talking about is we are talking about a mystery. Uh, Paul's going to be talking about a mystery. And there's some mysteries we still have today. Some mysteries that, uh, things that happen, you just don't fully understand. Like one of the things I don't fully understand is how somebody can lose their cell phone on a regular basis. Right? How, how many of you know people that lose their cell phone all the time? Good. How many of you are sitting next to somebody that loses? Okay. So here's what they came out with. They came out with several years ago something called an Apple Watch. And I believe that the Apple Watch, the main purpose is that if you lose your cell phone, you can push a button and it makes a noise, right? In fact, can somebody push the button right now and make that noise? Yeah, right, there we go. Okay, we're going to have a little fun. On the count of three, if you have an Apple Watch, I want you to push that Find My Phone button on, on okay, one. Some of you, that was too early, all right? <laughs> Getting a little bit too excited in church. You're like, right, boom. Um, one, two, three. Okay, that's the sound I hear multiple times in my home every day. And I'm not going to say names because I don't do that. But my wife loses her phone all the time. It's a mystery. I'm not sure how it happens, why it happens. Paul's talking about a mystery today. It's a different kind of mystery. And here's what he's going to talk about. He's going to talk about a mystery of the fact that the Gentiles uh, are co-heirs with the Jews with Christ. They're one. He's like, this was a mystery in the Old Testament. You didn't know about it in the Old Testament. People like Abraham didn't know about it. Moses, David, Solomon. It was a mystery they didn't know. But Paul's got this special revelation from God that the Jews and the Gentiles are brothers and sisters in Christ. That, that the, the Gentiles are co-heirs. Now, here's why this is so important. Because we're going to look at this passage. But what I want to look through is I want to look through like what's underneath like what's going on in Paul's life that would allow him to be in prison, to fulfill the, the mission that God's placed for him? Well, why does Paul do what he does? What's going on in his heart? What's going on in his life? And this is so important because we live in a social media culture where we are consumed with the outside. But what's going on in your heart? Because I believe that that's ultimately what God cares about. God cares about our hearts. Because we can put a smile on our face. And we can dress real nice. But boy, my prayer is, is really our mission statement. That we would be people that are reaching and raising authentic followers of Jesus. That our hearts and our heads would be aligned with Jesus Christ. So I pray today's message will encourage you and challenge you. And there's something about Paul that where the grace of God got a hold of his life. You know, somebody was asking me recently, they said, uh, favorite word, favorite word, put, put me on the spot. You know what I said? Grace. My daughter, who's four months old, her name is Leah, her middle name is Grace. Man, there's something powerful about grace. What is grace? It's, it's our undeserved favor. 
man, God's favor for you that's undeserved, unearned through the person and the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And, and, and here's a guy named Paul. He got that. Like he understood that. And what that did is it, it changed his whole life. It didn't just change what he did. It changed why he did it. And so I believe there's, there's five things that are going on in, in Paul's life that allow him to walk in obedience to God. And it's the same thing that can happen in our lives when we understand God's grace. Number one in your notes is simply this. God's grace gives us identity. God's grace gives us identity. And and Paul will will say this. He says, for this reason, I, um, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ on behalf of you Gentiles. I, I love that. He doesn't say I'm a prisoner in Rome, which is where he was. He says, I'm a prisoner of Christ. Why? Because Paul knew who he belonged to. Paul knew who had the authority of his life. Paul knew that when when Jesus Christ died for him and he understood that, man, I I can't save myself. Like like the Old Testament, it's, it's great for learning and it's a bunch of laws. But what do those laws point out? They point out the reality that I need a Savior, that I've fallen short. When he got that, he was overwhelmed with the grace of God. And he understood that being a follower of Jesus Christ didn't just mean the that you bear the name Christian and you go on living your life however you want. Sadly enough, that's our culture. A lot of people call themselves Christians, and yet at the end of the day, they are not falling under the authority of Jesus Christ. See, to to be a follower of Jesus Christ, that means you give your life to Jesus Christ. That means Jesus Christ calls the shots. That means Jesus Christ dictates what's right and wrong. We don't do that. And sure, we're going to mess up and struggle and fail, but that's where forgiveness and grace comes in. And we, when we fall, we get back up and we keep going. See, I, I love our, our nursery ministry, our children's ministry. Uh, we've got great security. You go and you'll drop off your kid and you'll have some time here, which, which is great. But every parent or grandparent will get a tag that reveals, hey, you, your kid belongs to you. Here's what made Paul's life different with his identity. Don't miss this. Paul knew who he was, but most importantly, he knew whose he was. See, it's one thing to know who you are. It's another thing to know that you, you belong to Jesus. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you, you belong to Jesus. And that's the most comforting thing to know is that, is that you belong to Jesus. Paul had this identity that was secure, and it meant that, Like his whole life was under the submission of Jesus Christ. The first thing that God's grace gives us is a clear identity that we belong to Jesus. Paul understood that. The next thing we get, God's grace gives us not just identity, but it gives us motivation. It gives us motivation. You ever ask yourself why you do what you do? Lots of times people come up to you and they'll be like, hey, what do you do? When's the last time somebody's asked you, why do you do what you do? Simon Sinek, he's a a famous leadership guru in America, and he's all about figuring out the why. Figure out the why behind the what. Paul was a guy that had a clear why. He knew why he did what he did. Why did he do it? His whole life, his whole motivation was the grace of God. He was so overwhelmed with the grace of God. And in fact, this is what it says in verse 2. He puts it this way. He says, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given 
to me for you. He said, I just, I just want to steward God's grace. It was given to me for you. What does it mean to steward something? It means to, to manage something. It means to oversee something. We are called to steward uh, the lives that God has given us. We're called to steward the things that he's put us in charge of. Uh, Paul's saying, hey, God's blessed me with this responsibility to minister to you Gentiles and make clear this mystery that so many of you don't know. It's that you're co-heirs with Christ with the Jews. He goes on and he puts it this way, how the mystery was made known to me by the revelation as I have written briefly. I love this. He's saying, you know what, I'm doing this not because I want to, but because God asked me to. He's saying the authority is Jesus Christ, this, this new revelation. By the way, every revelation that God has for us, it's written, it's complete in the word of God. There's not going to be a new or different revelation that God gives us. So if you ever hear a pastor say, hey, I've got this new revelation outside of the Bible. Here's what you do. You yell, baloney, all right? You just put your arms together like this. Because every revelation that we need is found in the word of God. In 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul writes this. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Everything we need is found in the word of Christ. And then he goes on and he puts it this way. He, he, says, he says this. He says, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The Gentiles are co-heirs with the Jews. We talked about that last week. That's why context is so important. Uh, if you're attending this series, come every week. If you miss, watch online because each section is building off of, of the next. One of the worst things we can do when we do our quiet time in the morning is just it be like this. This is what I think I'm going to read today. Right? Because there's no context. You have no idea what, what, what God's speaking about prior to it. And, and so context Matters. He's talked about this last week that Jews and Gentiles are going to be co-heirs with Jesus Christ. And he says this in four different ways. He says fellow heirs. He says members of the same body. In other words, we're all on the same team. What team? Jesus Christ. And partakers of the promise in Christ through the gospel. Paul's like, I want you to know that you're one in Christ. This was the mystery. It was hidden from ages past. They, they didn't know about it. But now you do. We are one in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on in verse 7 and says, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gifts of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. I love that. Was made a minister. What's that word in the Greek? It's diakonos. It's, it's servant. It's every single one of us. Because you might be here today and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm not a Paul. No, but you are called to be a servant. And when we understand God's grace, what does it do? It, it, it motivates us to serve. It inspires us to serve. You know, there's about 10 or 15 people in our nursery right now, adults, youth, that weren't planning on being there. And here's why. God's grace motivated them when, when somebody came and asked them to serve this morning because nursery is exploding. And you know whose fault it is? Your fault. Bible said be fruitful and multiply, and they did, right? 
It's awesome. That's the fastest way to grow a church is have a grip of kids. How do I know? Just had one, right? <laughs> but, but, but I love this because what motivates these people to just get up and serve, it's, it's grace. It's this grace-filled motivation. Pa- Paul says that, man, I've get, been given this responsibility to be a minister. Now, now when we think about motivation, like we have to start asking ourselves, like, why, why do we go to church? Why do we read our Bibles? I just heard somebody say, because I need to, right? Uh, why, why do we go to church? Yeah, yeah, yes, we need to, but if we're not careful, we can just check off a box that says, okay, I, did, I checked the box, and I did my Christianity for the week, and I can live 167 other hour, hours on my own. Friends, that's the wrong motivation. What motivates us is the fact that, that we need God. We need believers. We need to grow. Like the grace of God compels us. Maybe we're here because we were invited by a friend. But we have to understand like the why we do what we do. Otherwise, we can just be people that are going through the motions. Why, why do we give? Man, because I feel obligated. No, you give because you're overwhelmed by the grace of God. Like God's blessed you so much. You have so much in Christ that money could never provide for your life. So the one thing that you just want to do is put God first in your finances. Like if you're not careful, you can serve, but you can serve with the wrong motivation. You can serve because it just makes you look good. You can serve because it makes you feel good. You serve because you're obligated, or you can serve with the right motivation, but you're motivated by the grace of God. See, God's grace, it changed Paul's life. First of all, it changed his identity. Second of all, it changed his motivation. Thirdly, what does it change? God's grace gives us humility. God's grace gives us humility. And this is what it says in verse 8. Verse 8, Paul says, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints. Paul's saying, hey, there's the saints and then there's me. Now, some people might think, well, Paul was probably thinking, ah, you know, Paul, you're not that bad. Paul, you're, you're, you're." no, he, he really believed that he was the least of all the saints. Why? Because he didn't have this false sense of humility. This is what it says in Philippians chapter 3, 5, and 6 when, when Paul talks about like his different gifts and his background. He says, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. He's basically saying, I had it all. I did it all. But that got me nowhere. He's like, I I still was a sinner in need of a savior. See, Paul recognized that he was a sinner. Unless you're humble, you'll never realize you really need a savior. I want to say that one more time. Unless you're humble, you will never realize that you truly need a savior. Because you'll buy into the lie that you're good enough. You'll buy into the mindset that, you know what, I... I'm good enough. This is what humility is. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. See, one of the reasons why I believe our our church is is thriving, one of the many reasons why is a bunch of you guys are humble. Let me put it this way. Paul got over himself. That's what allowed him to thrive. One of the greatest 
things that we need to do is get over ourselves. Let me, let me just put it this way. The thing that, that's holding you back from being humble and experiencing everything God wants you to experience is that you just need to get over yourself. You've got too much of you in your life. As long as it's comfortable, as long as it's what I want. No, that goes out the window when we follow Christ. We got a bunch of people in our church here that are just serving. They say, hey, wherever there's a need, whatever the need is, because we just want to reach people for Christ. And I believe our, our, our church is humble because we got a staff that's the most humble that I've ever worked with. Humility is just bleeding from all of them. Like we, we've got staff that, that are just humble all of the time and, and they're just willing to do whatever it takes. I think part of this is because of our executive pastor, Jeremy Thiessen. Now, if you can put Jeremy Thiessen's picture up on here, uh, that would be great. Uh, I call him JT. That's what he goes by around here. But there's nothing that he will not do. If there's garbage on the floor, he'll pick it up. If we have like uh, a yard day here at the church, you'll see him outside pulling weeds. JT used to be a manager for a band. The band was down here, and they had this big uh, travel um, motorhome one time, and this was years ago. The travel motorhome had a bunch of artists on it, and the toilet got clogged with a bunch of toilet paper. Somebody put a bunch of toilet paper in there. What did JT do? He didn't call someplace to come out and fix it. He fixed it himself. Now, I'm not going to tell you what he did to fix it, but he stuck his arm in so far you could not see his shoulder, right? Why? He was humble. See, there's, there's something about humility where we remember who we used to be, but we focus on who God wants us to be. Man, I look at my life years ago. I was a totally different person. Like, I looked different, too. Here's a couple pictures of me on Facebook from old school. Oh, that is living proof, folks, that before being a senior pastor here at Shelter Cove, I did not have gray hair, all right? And then here's the next one. I'm a little embarrassed by this one, but that's okay. Yeah, the frosted tips. Some of you next week are going to be dressed with frost, frosted tips. I, I can just tell. See, that's who I was, but, I, but it's not who I am. Paul, Paul always had an understanding of who he was, which kept him humble. And he had this gratitude for God's grace. And for some of you, if you're struggling with humility, just start thanking God every day for his grace. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the things that I cannot do myself. Thank you for the fact that I cannot earn my salvation, but you gave it to me. Thank you for the fact that Jesus died in my place. Like here's Paul, he's, he's sharing this whole ministry about the mystery, but it was underneath all that that God's grace was giving him a brand new identity. It gave him a brand new motivation. It gave him a brand new humility. Number four, what did it give him? It gave him a brand new responsibility. A brand new responsibility. He says this, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone, what is the plan of the mystery for the ages in God who created all things so that through the church, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and the authorities and the heavenly places. This grace was given to me to preach. Paul understood he has a responsibility. We have to understand that we have a responsibility. Now, we're not going to talk a bunch about serving right now. 
But we all have a responsibility. Sometimes the greatest responsibility is just using the gift that God's given us. What is that gift? Well, sometimes it's just being available. Here I am. I'm here to help. I'm here to serve. I'm here to do whatever is necessary. You know, just yesterday, went to a memorial in the morning, came home in the afternoon, and my daughter Hallie had just got done playing ball with the dogs because that's what we got to do. We got to have her go outside and play ball, ball with the dog. Why? Should we have to wear out these animals, right? She's got a responsibility. Why does she do that? She's a part of the family. Then after that, she goes out and throws me the ball. You know, just goes out and wears me out a little bit, right? Uh, no, but she's got this responsibility with the dogs. I come home and Drew, he's 17 years old. He is putting together this baby bouncer for our four-month-old daughter. You know, one of those little saucers you sit in and you bounce up and down in all the time? And he, he's doing this. Why? Because he's a part of the family. He's got a responsibility. And I'm a little bit nervous. I'm a little bit nervous, not just because he put together the baby bouncer, but because he went to the garage multiple times. I'm a little concerned some of the springs on our garage door are missing. <laughs> and that he somehow attached those to the baby bouncer. And when Leah starts bouncing, one of these days, she's going to just fly over Modesto, right? Because he's my 17-year-old son. But what does it do? It gives us a responsibility to, to contribute, to do the things in our lives that that sometimes we don't want to do, but that we do because we're a part of a family. You know, in 1990, the Chicago Bulls were in a playoff game, and Michael Jordan scored a career-high 69 points. And there was this rookie named Stacy King. He took four shots. He missed all four. He got fouled on one of them, made one free throw, had one point for the game. The Chicago Bulls won. And after the game, there's a sports commentary that comes up to Stacey King and interviews him. And he's like, you know what? I'll just always remember that this is the game where Michael Jordan and myself combined for 70 points. <laughs> Here's the point. Every point matters. Every point matters in a church. Every job matters. Let me take that a step further. Every person matters. Don't, don't buy into the lie here at Shelter Cove that you're not wanted and you're not needed. Like what you do matters. What you can contribute matters. Who you are matters. How God wired you and gifted you matters. Why? Because every single one of us have been given by God's grace an identity, a motivation, a humility, a responsibility. And then lastly in your notes, he's given us a perspective through his grace. Because this is what it says in verse 13. He says, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Man, suffering, suffering is hard. Suffering is difficult. But when we have the grace of God in our lives and we know that no matter what we're going to be in heaven, man, it changes everything. Here's Paul, he's in prison, 
And just instead of just saying, like, oh, it's me, I'm in prison. He's chained to a guard probably half of the time. What does he do? He writes this letter to this church in Ephesus. He writes a letter to a church in Colossae. He writes a, a letter to a church in Philippi. He writes the, the letter to Philemon. He's doing all of this kind of work in his suffering. Why? Because sometimes God's greatest work happens in the midst of our suffering. Why? Because we get out of the way. There's nothing left of ourselves. You know, when we have a brand new perspective in suffering, sometimes we quit asking the question, God, why? Why are you doing this? Why me? And we start asking, God, what? What do you want to do in my heart? What do you want to do in my life? What are you trying to teach me? What do you want to do through me? Tim Keller, he was a, a pastor in New York City for several years. He had cancer and ended up taking his life. And this is what he said. He said, you don't really know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Man, it's been those, those moments in my life where there's been too much going on. You know, some people say, God won't give you more than you can handle. I laugh. I think he gives us so much more than what we can handle for this reason right here. So that we, we cry out to him. We realize we need him. Tim Keller also put it this way. He said, suffering is unbearable if you aren't certain that God is for you and with you. Friends, today I want you to know that Jesus is for you. He's with you. Paul talks about this mystery of us being one in Christ. It was hidden from the ages past, known now, because God made that revelation to Paul. Jews and Gentiles, one in Christ. And God's grace, what was going on in his heart, it's the same thing that I hope is going on in our hearts. And that God's grace has given us a new identity. It's giving us a, a brand new motivation. It's giving us a, a humility. It's, it's given us a responsibility. And lastly, it's giving us a perspective beyond ourselves. And so today, I just want to make sure you know that God is, is with you, that God is for you. And some of you might be here today and be like, okay, Jeremy, I understand now a little bit that mystery of the Jews and Gentiles. But maybe there's a mystery that is really hard to, for you to understand. It's the mystery of God's love for you. How could a God who's perfect and holy and flawless, how could he love you? How could he love me? And I got to admit there's times where I don't fully understand that. But I know it's true. And here's why I know it's true. That God sent his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross in my place for my sins so that I can have life and be forgiven so I can be set free. That's how I know, even though I don't fully understand. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come out. Worship team's gonna come out and I'm gonna pray in just a moment and I'm gonna give you the opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ. It's my greatest prayer for you today if you don't have a personal relationship with him. It's, it's grace. It's a gift. You don't deserve it, but it's the gift of Jesus Christ because what did Jesus Christ do? He went to the cross in your place for your sin. He died. 
The sacrifice was sufficient in the eyes of God, but he rose three days later, proving victory over sin and death. For all that believe in him will be saved. And so let me pray for you, and then we're going to respond in worship. Heavenly Father, for those that need to commit or recommit their life to you, I just pray that your spirit would move here in this room, up in the loft, in people's homes. That people would commit and recommit their lives to you. We thank you for your grace. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen and amen. A couple things before we sing. Our prayer team's gonna be up here. If you could please resist the temptation to leave and just just stay in worship. And if you're a believer, would you pray for those that maybe aren't? And would you worship and would you respond? Our prayer team's gonna be up here. If you wanna give your life to Jesus, come to one of these individuals. We've got a prayer room off to the side and we're gonna help you with your next steps to following Jesus. So let's stand and let's worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords.
here today and maybe you're nervous to come up by yourself, just grab the person next to you and say, hey, can you come up with me? Or maybe you're sitting with somebody that's newer to church, newer to Shelter Cove, and you just want to ask them, hey, you want to go forward? Do you want to commit your life to Jesus Christ? The song's going to play just a little bit longer, but I just want to invite you to come forward and to commit or to recommit your life to Jesus Christ. Father God, we thank you for those that have made a decision, that those are, that are going to make a decision in the next several moments. We thank you for the way that you're moving in our hearts and lives and pray that you would continue to do so today. So we thank you for what your grace does in our hearts and lives. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, can we appreciate all those that made a commitment to Jesus Christ today?